With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to OEM Industry Update, a weekly podcast examining the latest news and technology trends impacting product development teams in the heavy-duty on- and off-highway equipment industries. I'm Sarah Jensen, editor of OEM Off-Highway, and in this week's episode, I'll be speaking with Corey Helgeson, design engineer at CCTY Bearing, about the growing use of self-lubricating tie rods and off-highway equipment. Let's take a listen now. If you could just start by uh, maybe providing an overview of the transition that's um, being uh, done to uh, move to, towards self-lubricating tie rods in the off-road equipment industry. So maybe talk about why it's happening and how um, this type of technology is different from what's currently or been used in the past. Yeah, for sure. So uh, first, I'll just talk about a little bit about um, lubrication methods for sliding bearings. Um, you have hydrostatic and hydrodynamic lubrication, which generally occurs for bushings. Um, in those type of lubrications, there's a oil film and the shaft and the bushing never touch, um, and there's basically no wear. Hydrostatic is just basically uh, the oil is coming in from an external pump and hydrodynamic, the oil is, uh, layer is being filmed by the bushing. Um, so that's not really what we're talking about here. Um, same with dry film lubrication. Um, basically, you can coat the metal surface with some sort of dry lubrication. Um, generally, it's a molly disulfide coating, and um, this, use, this is used as a lubrication, but obvious disadvantages once the solid lubricant wears off, there's no more lubrication there. And then to get to what we're talking about, um, metal and metal type tie rods, ball joints, they use boundary lubrication. And that's, uh, you couldn't call it, you know, completely dry. You couldn't call it completely greased. It's kind of uh, in, in between. Um, and in this type of lubrication, the load capacity is basically decided by the amount of wear that's allowed. And then we get into the lubrication of what we're here to talk about today of self-lubricated or, you know, maintenance-free type of tie rods and um, ball joints. And basically that's, you know, it kind of comes down to, there's two components of it. There's the, you know, some people consider self-lubricated as there's, there's type of material in bushings, usually it's PTFE that uh, once there's a little bit of wear, the, uh, the material from the PTFE wears onto the sliding surface and it acts as a lubrication there. And then um, the other type of self-lubrication that we like to talk about is, you know, you generally some thermoplastics and nylons, things like that. And um, they form a very low friction type of surface. And generally, I mean, you can regrease them, um, but the interval is a lot lower. And I guess it, where we see the market going, um, I, I kind of like to compare it to automotive, you know, 
before you had to regrease your tie rods, your ball joints of your automotive cars and things like that. Now, you know, you buy a car, you, you don't regrease anything. It's all sealed for life, things like that. So, you know, you couldn't exactly say that um, self-lubricating tie rods, ball joints are completely new to the off-highway industry. But I would say, you know, as, as a company, we recently noticed a trend in that it's, it seems to be transforming quicker than, than it was before. Um, and basically, um, I, I guess it's probably happening for a variety of reasons. Uh, the materials and the greases are constantly improving. Um, some, that was some, a holdback in a lot of applications was that, you know, they want to be uh, self-lubricating, but, you know, the loads are still too high. You need metal to metal, things like that. Um, I think another thing is a lot of engineers working on these parts for 20, 30 years, and they, you know, they don't want to switch out of something that's been working for 20 years. It's kind of harder to get them to switch. Um, but I, you know, I see less reluctance from engineers to switch to this technology now. And then, you know, the performance of machines is always improving, always enhancing. And I think that's some, some another, another route they're going is, you know, self-lubricating or reduced maintenance type of tie rods. Um, and then, you know, another benefit is less emissions when you have uh, less friction, less power being required. So I think that's kind of an overview of how I see the industry currently. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, then, so, since you were sort of touching on some of the benefits that can, it, uh, that can be offered, um, can you maybe go into that a little bit more or maybe what aspects of the technology enable those benefits to be achieved? For sure. So, um, I guess the, the main benefit is it reduces friction, mm -hmm. but this benefit leads to a lot of things, right? So um, the reduction in friction uh, has less wear from particles, right? Uh, and less work from the grease. So this allows you to go longer periods without regreasing. In some applications, you never have to regrease. And then other applications, you know, maybe regrease it yearly instead of, or, you know, after 20,000 hours, whatever instead of, you know, every day. Um, and, you know, the reduction in friction also leads to less work being done by the machine. Um, if, if a part's easy to move, there's less energy required to move it. So this will, you know, use less fuel, uh, there'll be less emissions. And, um, you know, you say the user saves the money with not having to regrease the equipment all the time. You know, another thing you think about is, Generally, people buying off-highway equipment are very good at keeping uh, keeping up to date with regreasing what needs to be regreased. But if you take out the requirement to regrease all these parts, you take out the you know, risk of human error and forgetting to regrease something, and that part may fail. Things like that. Um, another thing we like to talk about is it reduces noise and vibrations, which is you know I was talking about all these off-highway companies are looking to enhance the quality of their equipment. Um, that's one thing that's really noticed by the user is if there's noise in the application or there's vibrations or harshness in the application. And then just from a design perspective and manufacturing perspective, if, if you are able to uh, design a part that never needs to be greased, you take out the need for a, a grease zerk, drilling a grease hole. Um, and you can also put the part in an, in an area where, you know, normally you couldn't put it there because you need to allow a worker to get in there and grease it. But now, um, if it never needs to be greased, maybe you can fit it in a different spot. So there's kind of a lot of benefits that all stem from the idea of there's less friction in the application. Mm -hmm. 
Um, well then, um, can you talk a little bit more about, I know you were kind of touching on the regreasing intervals and elimination of NVH. Um, is there a little bit more that you can talk about regarding that? Or is there um, maybe something specifically about these designs that enable those things? Yeah, so, you know, with the less friction, um, you know, and if you think of, you know, the contact between the two surfaces in a metal to metal bearing, um, the metal obviously isn't completely smooth. There's uh, asperities and those asperities are contacting and, and that's what creates the wear. Um, so these wear particles are, you know, accumulating in the grease. And if you have more of that, obviously your grease life is going to be lower. Um, so Basically, I guess the regreasing interval is increased because you have the grease is doing less work essentially, and the grease is getting less contaminants. So, if you have a you know a maintenance-free tie rod that's wearing at a way less rate than the metal to metal, then you know there's the grease is not doing as much work. There's not as much contaminants in the grease, so you don't really need you don't really need to change the grease out. You know, every eight hours of operation and things like that. Um, and then to I guess elaborate on the reduction in noise is like the thermoplastic, the nylon, whatever, basically acts as a damper to the contact. If you, you know, imagine two pieces of metal smashing into each other or metal and plastic smashing into each other, you know, the, the metal and plastic is going to dampen the noise a lot more and you're not going to hear noise and things like that when there's a bumpy ride and when there's clearance in between the joints. Um, so I think those two things kind of uh, elaborate on those points. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how, um, if at all, is CCTY involved with the development of this type of technology? Are you guys um, developing these self-lubricating tie rods themselves or other components to go with them? Or if you can maybe kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, so um, generally in the off-highway, we work with a lot of suspension components. I'd say the biggest we're working with in terms of self-lubricating is steering tie rods, um, but there's also, you know, ball joints and uh, bushings, joint bearings, things like that. Um, and I guess kind of the ideology of, of our company is um, whenever we work on a part or something, we don't just try to meet the application. We try to, you know, exceed the application in every way possible. And I think that's the only way you can get to, you know, looking at all these self-lubricating designs because you know, we know metal to metal works. Um, so, uh, you know, many manufacturers are going to, you know, stick with that. Um, some OEMs are just going to stick with that. But as they keep trying to improve and, you know, the manufacturers keep trying to improve, it kind of works hand in hand um, to create more self-lubricating uh, parts and more ball joints that are, you know, require no regreasing and easier for the user to use. Um, as a company, we're, I think we're kind of unique because, um, not many tie rod ball joint manufacturers also have bushing lines. So we've developed bushing lines that are self-lubricating and, you know, to do this, to enter this industry, you need material experts and things like that. So we kind of already had those people on hand and then we work with the tie rods, the ball joints, things like that. It makes it a lot easier. I mean, our company has, the internal knowledge of the self-lubrication materials, the, the inserts, the nylon, whatever you want to call it, and the, you know, metal aspects of it. Um, many manufacturers in this industry are just going to, you know, buy 
buy a plastic insert from a different manufacturer and then, you know, assemble that together with their parts and use that, which it does work, but, you know, it makes it a lot harder when you have basically two manufacturers making the tie rod. You know, you have the one manufacturer for the insert, you have the one manufacturer for the metal. So we kind of try to do all these things under one roof and it allows us to make, you know, technology technological advances um, mm -hmm. and then there's the obvious cost benefit too of doing it all together mm -hmm. and I think it also helps that we you know have a pre-existing relationship with many of these uh, off-highway industry companies um, we earn the ability to be involved in the beginning of the design process you know if you're not involved in the beginning and you know the OEM makes a design just sends it to you when they already have it done it's a lot harder to incorporate you know self-lubricating designs but uh, when the OEM works with you directly from the beginning of the application, it makes it a lot easier for us to, you know, incorporate our ideas, incorporate their ideas. And I think that kind of puts us in a good place to uh, be one of the leaders in the development of this technology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then how uh, do you guys maybe foresee the, this type of technology evolving over the next coming years, if, or if at all, or is it kind of um, Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's interesting that, you know, there's probably a few times in history people thought this is done, it's never going to change, mm -hmm. but, you know, it always evolves. I think probably the main changes in the coming years will, will be material. Um, material is never going to stop improving. Um, so the, basically the material for the inserts and things like that, but then you change the material, uh, well, then you got to change the, the grease to enhance the grease and change the material hardness. Um, change the groove indent pattern of the material. So I think it's kind of a domino effect and it will always be changing. But personally, I see the the main factors being uh, the change in material, the improvements in material. You know, there's already great materials out there, but, you know, they're tinkering with, you know, maybe add a few more percent carbon fiber, maybe a few more percent PTFE. So things like that will drive the changes. Um, and then also, I like to mention that, you know, we consider ourselves a design company. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to manufacture the parts, uh, cost effective and efficient. And I think the manufacturing um, is always improving too. You know, you have the metal and metal designs that have been around forever. Their manufacturing is always improving. So um, I think with the change in the metal or the self-lubricating design, um, you're going to have manufacturing improvements and changes and, you know, no matter what solution, you can design the best product you want, but you're gonna to have to be able to manufacture it very well too. So yeah, I guess the main advancements would probably be material selection. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today and talk a little bit more about the technology and how it's being applied in the heavy equipment industry. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of OEM Industry Update. Thank you again to Corey for providing his insights into how this tie rod technology is benefiting off-highway equipment. And be sure to tune in each week for another episode to stay up to date on our ever-changing industry.